This is a News Laundry podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this balmy afternoon. Well, it's balmy in Delhi, at least. Uh, we are going to today talk about a very vast subject. I must say, the title of the session is Indian Economy and COVID: Insights from Data. I'll explain the second part later. Uh, but about Indian economy and COVID, I think it's a good time to sort of uh, hold a session like this, uh, where people can actually interact with uh, experts like we have here, uh, and also figure out where we are placed right now as a country, as a society, and what is coming next. I think that is one of the big focus area that we are going to keep. And of course, when you're talking about the economy, it's an extremely giant subject. So uh, I am going to sort of keep it more of more or less a free run. Uh, here's how the session will go. Uh, the introductions will happen first. Uh, I will ask each speaker to introduce themselves. Then uh, we will have some opening remarks about the state of our economy, COVID, or anything that they want to add to the topic. Then uh, Dr. Uh, Ashwini uh, Ashwini Chhatri from ISB is going to tell us about this amazing data portal that they has, he has started, which everybody of us can use uh, to figure out what is the sort of uh, situation we are in using different indicators. Um, I, I think you'll enjoy that a lot. And after that, we're going to directly open up for questions. So you can use the Q and A thing, uh, which is below, uh, to ask your questions. The chat is separate. Don't ask your questions on chat. You can chat with people on chat, but don't ask questions there. Ask them on Q and A so that I can then uh, curate uh, it according to when they come or who is to answer it. Um, yeah, and you can start leaving questions right from the beginning. There is no uh, bar to that. Okay, so uh, the topic again is economy and COVID. So first, I would like to ask the panelists to introduce themselves one by one. Uh, first up, uh, Prerna. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on the show. Very excited to be here. Uh, I'm Prerna Mukara, and I run a data firm that works specifically in the impact space. We're called Outline India. And uh, I think this conversation is particularly pertinent to the kind of work we do because we do a lot of on-ground work. We work specifically with policymakers, uh, with decision makers, with think tanks and not-for-profits. And we help them quantify the impact of their work or as has been happening, uh, try and quantify uh, the disruption that has been caused uh, as a result of COVID-19. Uh, we recently launched a tech product that's called Track Your Metrics, wherein we're trying to automate social assessments, automate social audits, and uh, bring funders and uh, not-for-profits in conversation. Thank you for having me. Um, Prerna here is going to basically deal with the impact part of it, I think, because uh, you have been tracking a lot of uh, uh, sort of what social audits are, we would like to know about sure. that a little bit as well yeah. when, when, when we come to you. Um, Absolutely. Then, uh, Paujal, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I am Paujal Chawa. I am from Manipur. I work with the Frontier Manipur. And uh, it's very nice to see all the people over here. Have to have a very good time. Learn so much from you. Yes. Um, uh, now, uh, Nitali. Yeah, hi, my name is Nitali Mukherjee. I'm business editor at The Wire. 
I was formerly stocks editor at CNBC TV 18. So a lot of my life was spent tracking equity markets. Uh, I think Meghnath, on the point you made about never has it been more important to talk about the economy. That time was actually six quarters back. Uh, <laughs> now is the time to talk about how to fix all of this. Uh, but I think what's different about you know our conversation, as I'm sure all of us will gather to discuss, is that for the first time in many decades, this is not an internal issue where you know the banking system collapsed or the financial finance system collapse, but it's something external that has hit all of us. And um, I'd be fascinated to know what data throws up. So thank you for having me. Yeah, basically everything collapsed. So what happens <laughs> next? <laughs> That's what we'll talk about. Uh, and uh, Sukhira Ji. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Sukhira. I'm based in Jalandhar. I'm a Punjabi writer. I write uh, fiction, but I also write uh, uh, two columns for uh, Punjabi Tribune, as well as uh, a daily called Daily Namazamana. And usually I write on socio-political issues. Uh, as a writer, I, I'm an observant of people and what is happening around me. I mean, I like to sort of poke my nose into other people's lives. So I think that this is going to be a very interesting session for me because I have certain observations to make and I would also like to hear from various people how people around them are dealing with it. I mean, besides, exactly. of course, we'll talk about the economy too, but the economy affects all of us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, Pawajal is an investigative journalist. He hasn't mentioned that. Uh, but uh, he and uh, Sukiraji are going to tell us uh, a little bit about uh, what is happening in the profession of journalism as well and media space uh, because of this pandemic. I think you guys would be the best people to tell us about that a little bit. Uh, so to begin with, uh, I would like some uh, opening remarks. Uh, first, I'll start with Paujal actually. Uh, Paujal, uh, can you tell us how, uh, what do you think about this whole situation that we are in today, uh, economy-wise and just personally? Magnat, I yes. would like to uh, speak uh, from my perspective. Yes. And uh, in regard uh, beyond the chicken neck, especially yes. in North. Yes, yes. Go on. <laughs> And uh, in Manipur, as you can, you're aware that we are basically a hill area. Mm. And uh, the way that uh, we live here, we are on an imported GDP, you might say. Because whatever is coming in, is coming in from in the form of subsidies in border, so, uh, secondary and tertiary sectors and all that. I'm not an economist or so, but from my own personal experience, um, I feel that uh, what we are focusing now is on our primary needs here in the Northeast region, especially mm -hmm. in my state. But uh, surprisingly, people are having a very, what do you say, a normal time, mm -hmm. especially people in the rural areas, in the villages, in the mm -hmm. hill districts. Because uh, people, we have been deprived of so many things, especially in Manipur, we have been deprived of our health uh, essential items, the PDS, medical infrastructure, you name it. There's some, only a few things that I'm trying to highlight over here. Because the people, uh, most of the rural people, that will account for around like 86% of the state population. They live in the hills, in the rural areas, where there is a lot of space. And the Manipur basically is like 98%, uh, 90% hills area only. So the farmers, when COVID comes in, they are, uh, last time I visited one of these hill districts during this pandemic, 
what they told me was like, we do not have much of a difference. Hmm. Why? We are not... You you are saying that because we are so focused on we are now focused on primary needs in maybe Manipur and rural areas of Manipur we are already focused on that so maybe that's why the difference is in there. There is basically what is the difference between Manipur the seven some of the states in the northeast except hmm. for Assam hmm. and the rest of the Indian economy that is a whole different chapter there is whole vast sea of difference over here. Right. We don't have these major companies over here, Tata's, Berla's, Goenka's. We do not discuss most of the other issues, the economic part of it. But what we are here is trying to sustain ourselves with our rural economy. This In is this is a very interesting uh, thing that you have just brought up. Maybe uh, like I I don't know if uh, what how I'm putting it is correct, but uh, places that haven't industrialized so fast as opposed to other say. Um, uh, townships or like other other areas, urban areas, uh, are seeing a very different picture of uh, what the pa- effect the pandemic had, rather than what we are seeing in the cities. Um, I think uh, I, I'll bring in uh, Mitali here, and uh, Mitali, can you please uh, quickly tell us your opening thoughts on the economy? Meghna? Yes, on the economy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try and make it really concise yes. because, as you said, it's a super vast uh, uh, you yes. know topic. Uh, you know, the short answer is Meghna, it's very, very messy. Yeah. Uh, the the extension of that short answer would be that unfortunately, we're in more of a mess than many of our peers. Uh, this is a problem that we've had for many quarters now on the manufacturing side, as you said. But I think what's different about this time, as we were discussing, is that this has happened from an outward experience. So you're dealing with a health crisis along with an economic crisis. Mm. And I think the other big problem, Meghna, is how over the next couple of months, we're all going to feel this at a very granular personal level. You know, um, a slowdown was sometimes a very sort of notional idea saying, okay, GDP dips, what does that mean? But the meaning of that is very real this time round because it has meant furloughs, it has meant job losses, it has meant for people who might be watching this and are, you know, going to graduate from ISB, not getting the kind of options that they would, mm-hmm. not getting the salaries that they would. It has also meant a big dent to the one space in India that was functioning. Mm-hmm. As Paujel pointed out, um, Agriculture has largely held out, even though that's, you know, it's debatable what it means for farmers versus agriculture doing well. Those are two very separate issues. But I uh, think the other the, problem... Apart from agriculture, there's an entire supply chain that comes after this, which might have No, what I mean effective. is that realizations may not necessarily be that great for a farmer. So, you know, right. agriculture may do okay, but does this mean the farmers have a better life? I think that mm. there's a question mark to that. that and the biggest it. impact, Meghnad, is the fact that the one thing holding up for India was our services sector. Hmm. People were still traveling, people were consuming, you know, restaurants, hospitality, all of that has been hit the hardest and the worst and most unfortunately has not received any attention. So I think that this is, you know, like a slowly unraveling sort of nightmare, but unravel it will. And I think it's going to show up a lot of wounds for a lot of different sectors. Right. And uh, I think I'll come to uh, Sukiratji next, uh, but one one little thing about uh, what we are doing. Uh, so I haven't really introduced Ashwini sir yet because uh, I'm, I'm going to let him give him some special attention because all of these things that people are saying will be related to what he's going to do. So uh, Sukiratji, if you can uh, go on. Uh, so Sukiratji, what is the situation like in Punjab and in your experience, you said you had a lot of observations. 
Well, you see, I think we are all observing, but I'll start from here that I would not like to repeat what Mitali has already very nicely and exhaustively explained. I'll just try to say it more in a layperson's terms and add one more thing to it. She's actually pointed it out that uh, as compared to our peers, we are going to have a, we are having a bad time and you are probably having, going to have worse time too. And I concur with her. Mm -hmm. You see, the thing is that as we all know, and we'll be talking about is, even before COVID hit us, the COVID restrictions hit us, uh, economy was doing badly already. You see, now actually COVID is going to be a shield to brush in, uh, under the carpet many things which were not going right with the economy earlier. But besides that, strictly speaking, I'm not even talking, touching economy here. The way this lockdown was brought in that in itself was very, very ill thought out. And I will, if you permit me, I'll bring it slightly towards my own profession also, which is Go concerned on. with journalism. You see, the thing is that the way in the dramatic manner as our, our uh, government or rather the leader is prone to make these four hour in advance announcements, it created a lot of panic. Now, you see the first 21 days, I don't know about the rest of India and I'll hear it from other friends, how it was there, but you see here, a lot of panic was created and the first 20 days, one days was as if, by the way, I have the figure for Punjab, we had only one known case in 67, I mean, one death in 67 cases hmm. on the 21st. Uh, in spite of that, you see the panic, the way it was created, people started blocking their roads, you would not see anybody stepping out and nothing was available four or five days. And you know, then all the, this rumor mongering started. Hmm. People stopped touching the newspapers because you see, everybody was worried that any surface you touch, it's going to come. And I, I'm sure that it has happened in other parts of India also. The circulation of newspapers. Yeah, it has collapsed. Drastically. It's yeah. completely collapsed. Yeah. Now you see, we are not going to, I'm not looking into that what you see the thing is because the economy is doing badly newspapers are not going to have that kind of a revenue from the advertisement that's a separate issue altogether yeah. but you see part of theirs comes from their subscription and people are not even hmm. uh, letting and you see the corollary of that is that the hawkers didn't have a job i know that my hawker started selling vegetables and this hmm. is just an example yeah. you see there are many examples so what I'm saying is that we will be talking about it, but I think that the main point here is the, of course, nobody could foresee hmm. that this sort of situation is there, but there are ways of dealing with it. Dealing with it. You see now, yeah, and also the thing is that just before I leave, I will point out another thing also. No state government was consulted before starting the lockdown, but hmm. soon after that, there is this much this thing now chief ministers should tell us how to we how do we start unlock and now you see the ball is in the state's courts yeah. now the center is sitting and saying do this do this do this you took out the I, jenny out of the bottle and you want everybody else to put it back that's I, all yeah i i, I think it, it's a very interesting uh, thing that you brought up so like in if you look at it as a microcosm uh, like he gave the example of his uh, newspaper delivery man who started selling vegetables and we can't even imagine the kind of uh, impact this has had uh, on, on like 
say smaller businesses or even like hawkers and vegetable vendors and we Absolutely. we look at like giant auto sale industries and all of those things but uh, as as uh, dr ashwini will actually later point out as well manrega is one thing that we should look at which we aren't looking at um i think i, I i'll bring in uh, prerna here uh, prerna can you also uh, enlighten us on basically um how do we sort of judge this situation like what what is the thing that we should look at to actually figure out how we are doing economically so maybe what i can do is maybe not take a step back yeah and because of uh, you know the kind of work we do so we work uh, on the ground uh, a lot of our work is in rural remote parts of the country so we have some sense of what's happening on that front then we work with a lot of multilaterals and csr guys and funders so we know what's happened to that body of money yeah and then uh we compile all of this data and then send it off to decision makers and policy makers and guys with money so they can deploy funds right so uh, i'm in this spot where as a young firm i have some sense of what's happening on the ground right hmm. and i'll try and divide i think my comments into maybe three buckets i'd like to quickly talk about maybe what's happening in agriculture hmm. i'd like to quickly get into what's happening with women's employment and then just briefly touch upon you know what's happened to education and and most of what i'll be speaking on will be to do with the rural economy because that's a space i understand a little bit better right yeah. so uh, and again I'll, i'll be very specific so if i just get into numbers the ilo is saying that uh, covid 19 uh, uh, in reference to india has the potential of pushing about 400 million indians into abject poverty that's about a third of your country that's 400 million people right wow uh, uh, India even today it employs abject poverty. Abject poverty, though, and I'm quoting uh, ILO. Uh, India still employs about 42% of the workforce is is still agriculture, even though it's just 18% of GDP. Hmm. And year on year, the number of people employed in agriculture is actually going up, even though it's one of the more inefficient hmm. sectors hmm. in the country right now. If you also if you also get into how reverse migration and what do we mean by reverse migration people from you know smaller towns rural areas who came into the cities in search of work livelihoods dreams all of that now that they've been pushed outside owing to different reasons they've lost jobs now that they've gone back to their uh, own set of villages what's going to happen to them what's going to happen to the kind of pressure uh, that will be built up mm. for these people who've come back to these villages and mind you it's also you know in india i think one of the bigger problems has been that a lot of people working in agriculture had very small inefficient land holdings yeah yeah and it was mostly these guys who came in search of jobs you know who were really right. poor you know and uh, you know and now that they've gone back and uh, you know there's a lot of stigma attached to it contamination covid 19 mm-hmm. being segregated all of that right i think the second thing is that uh, we're all very cognizant of is that we're still a pretty informal economy so if you think about it 70% of people in the workforce 70% of people i will repeat this number do not have contracts they don't yeah. have yeah. Uh, you know they don't have contracts with the firms they work in and about 40% of them can't seek official leave so if i go back i lose my job right that's how bad it is yes. in this country and uh, it's going to be much worse for women it's already much worse for women right yeah. so ashwini deshpande's research says that four of 10 women who were working in india since march have already lost their jobs four of 10 women wow. women predominantly work in education and schools have been shut mm. manufacturing sector i think mitali commented on that so i won't go there uh, there's a lot of work in health we know what's happening there 
but there's a there's a there's a big subset of women who actually work as domestic help hmm. and hmm. we all know that you know uh, again no you know that, that there's no notice period when it comes to our domestic right. help gardeners electrician plumber uh, maid help drivers all of that you know uh, a lot of people were just sent home i think initially people held on or held off for a couple of weeks they said aap ghar nahi aa sakte but then everybody was like you know no can you hmm. right hmm. so women will bear the brunt of covid 19 yeah. uh, again nothing to be proud of india i think is about 122 of 162 countries when it comes to the united nations gender inequality yes. index which basically means we are a little bit better than some of the arab countries yes. a little bit better than uh, some of the war torn countries and you know countries with civil unrest and what covid 19 has done is push us further well down. well further down right i mean and and my point is meghna uh, you know even somebody who's fairly plugged into the system we have no sense right now of how bad it is right. my my other comment is you know on education and i think we've all seen a lot of articles floating around prena i'll come come to you again for the education bit sure. because i have to go to uh, sure, dr do. ashwini as well uh, sure. because uh, the the last thing that you said uh, about even if we are plugged in uh, we still have no idea what is going on outside i think uh, dr ashwini is exactly working on that so i think it would Let's be interesting to bring him here uh, dr ashwini first uh, please briefly introduce yourself and then we can move on to your presentation uh, before we begin uh, i would like to tell the audience what this is about just give a little bit of context um this is a project by isb which i think is a very interesting sort of um, tool that they are giving to the public at large uh, primarily journalists but just public at large um uh, all the data that we get on economic aspects on population on on different sort of uh, indicators which we use to judge the economy are usually old like they're like if if not uh, like a month old that's like a great ideal case scenario it would be like years old like teen saal pehle ka unemployment data milega you know like sometimes like manrega manrega i think is the only one that is regularly updated and aadhar authentications now but other than that most of them are just um, you know collected at one point and then released it in, in like a statistical book somewhere hidden somewhere uh what uh, dr ashwini's team is doing is they're trying to break this and they're trying to give us all real time data so which is what he's going to talk about uh, did i get that right yes absolutely thank you begna yes. so i can just build on what you have already said yes uh i am uh, leading an initiative called jump start india at isb uh, as uh, it's anchored in the bharti institute of public policy the idea there is to put forward perspectives but also support assuming that it is of uh, the problem is too big to be left to governments to solve the economy is not something that we can stay out of in in uh, whatever hat that we choose to wear as an academic as an intellectual as a journalist or uh, as a common citizen so the idea of jumpstart india is to try and bring to bear non government resources from uh, students from intellectuals from scientists to support the government in what they are doing but also help them figure out what they are doing because frankly in many cases they don't know and they are uh, perhaps too proud to admit yes 
and uh, it also helps generate a new culture where problem solving is not left to government hmm. and then blame sharing it's, it's our problem too not just your problem as you are our government too so this jumpstart india at isb involves students faculty works with uh, government agencies in identifying problems one of these problems that started well before and that we have been talking about is the availability of data in a format that is easy to consume hmm. that is a problem of course there are many other problems some of it is 3 years old and so on some of it is unbelievable so there are clear trust issues there are data that government releases i would not touch with a barge pole yes there is also a lot of very good data yeah. but it's so well hidden and so deeply buried that it's not because uh, there is an evil genius trying to hide it it's just people don't know how to make data available in a form that is easy to consume and the government is just 20 years behind technology you know no matter what they pretend hmm. or so the india data portal brings public data together on one platform and it seeks to achieve multiple objectives one of course what we started with which is to present data in a form that is easy to consume you can interact with the data you can visualize the data you can download the visualization you can download the table and then use it in whichever way you want you put it in your report you put it in your uh, news report uh, masters thesis wherever it is but the data becomes democratic everyone has access to the same data and with with all the words that it comes with yeah. sometimes yeah. it's or sometimes it's uh, uh, at the state level sometimes it's uh, uh, somewhat not very useful but it's still there the third point that uh, we want to address through the india data portal is uh, multiple data sets and this is also something that uh, the india data portal wants to work with journalists journalists to encourage because when you look at news stories that use data it's usually one data series it, the article is on narita the article is on pds the yes. article is on social security you know pensions article is on uh, midday meals it's actually when you look at all of these together that you get a sense of how the rural population is doing how the informal economy is doing and this is something that is very well established in more mature markets such as equity for example or tech right that's where you have sensex and nasdaq and so on and so forth the india data portal wants to develop that kind of lens hmm. where users of data begin to look at multiple data series and not just one data series yeah um, because the insights are great dr ashwini can you give us examples of this like uh, you were going to show it to us right so yes yes so i think it will be yes, clearer there is for there will be a show and tell it will be clearer for the audiences if you actually show them that uh, the kind of work the indicators that you have yes and that is where i'm going next yes. as soon as okay you can see my screen it is the india data portal landing page that first allows you to search and uh, you can type a search query and it will show up whatever data sets match to it and it already has data sets and the number of data sets are uh, increasing we are adding new data sets hmm. uh, on a weekly and hopefully soon daily basis because there is a lot of data that can be put there 
especially when you think about looking at multiple data sets together. So if you want to find one data, it is there. Uh, if it is not there, please let us know and we will be very happy to try and put it there. That is the, the objective of the exercise. The second part here that uh, uh, sort of beyond the, the big picture objectives is to reach out to journalists who are now, compared to even 10 years ago, who are now much more constrained for time hmm. from their editors in terms of writing a story and, and or trying to hunt down the data that is necessary, as well as making it available in vernacular language. And this is something that we found in conversations with journalists uh, across India in multiple languages that uh, they have specific problems in, in access to data. And the India data portal is now available in multiple languages and the number of languages will increase in proportion to the number of partnerships that we can uh, develop. And, uh, we are an open forum. We welcome all partners who can, who wish to and can and willing and able to contribute to developing the portal in a new language hmm. that does not exist so far. Right. So any Indian language is open. The third point, and this is uh, uh, especially pertinent to uh, our panel, is this uh, new tab that we have developed on the top, Jumpstart India at ISB which is where we are putting together data sets that have three attributes. One, they are in near real time so that we know exactly what is happening as close to today as possible and uh, pretty close. So not, not six months ago and not last year. The second is high frequency. Uh, similar to what uh, equity markets do, we need to get at daily data and multiple series of daily data to try and understand patterns and not just one data series, not just one stock, but multiple stocks, multiple data series from different sectors, from different sources. And the third there, uh, very important uh, component is high resolution. So we should not just look at macroeconomic indicators at the India level, which is often what we see that employment rate in India is going up and down. And when you think of 400 million people who are now vulnerable falling into poverty, and many of them were already poor 20 years ago in the last generation, and they've worked hard to get out of poverty and now being forced back again. All India data hides so much. Hmm. So what we want is high resolution data, at least as high as possible and certainly higher than just a national number. So we want to go down in many data series to state level, to district level, to hopefully panchayat level and city level. So this is what the uh, data portal looks like. It has uh, several data sets that are uh, at the daily transaction, Aadhaar, uh, for example, which can show you authentications of three different kinds. Uh, of uh, great interest perhaps is air quality data that is available at the city level as well. And uh, one can zoom deeper down into each of these data sets. So if you want to look at Madhya Pradesh, you can look at different cities in Madhya Pradesh in terms of air quality and so on. Some of these are daily, but many of these with the switch on the top left that you can see are available at the monthly level. 
that is because of the nature of the data and perhaps also the nature of the data series. Some mm -hmm. things are only available at a monthly cadence, but still, because they are near real time, we do get a lot of uh, insights from looking at it together. And that is one of the things that the uh, data allows, for example, the number of registered companies, for example, you can clearly see a dip that happened during uh, February and March, but like uh, Sukhirat and many of the other panelists have said, this also shows that the problem had already started well before March. So some of these indicators tell us that we can't lay all the blame on COVID and it makes it easier for us to check what was happening if we also compare it to what were the numbers last year. And we are adding these numbers as we go and we really welcome suggestions and of course offers of collaborations with help, with translation, with adding more data sets, with suggestions for uh, data and data sources that allow users to make these conclusions themselves instead of consuming it from the government. Okay. So that we co-produce knowledge about what is happening to the economy and have a conversation about solutions and about the direction of the economy that is informed by data that anyone can consume. Uh, uh, yes, Dr. Ashwini, thank you. Uh, and I have to take a lot of questions now, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, panelists can also like uh, ask questions, but before that, I would like to take some audience questions because there are a lot of them and people are waiting. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, and also, I'll direct some of the questions to you as well, uh, depending on uh, your area of expertise, etc. Or if you want to just answer it, I will let you answer it. Uh, I think one very interesting question which I would directly like to uh, throw at Mitali. Um, just a second. Wait, I saw a question about uh, how, how the corporates are dealing with uh, this COVID situation and is it any different from the government? And, like strategy wise, how do you see uh, companies and corporates sort of dealing with the economic situation? So Mignath, I think that's a very- uh, That's a question by Shantanu, yeah. Okay, hi Shantanu. I think that's a very wide question because it's really different for different sectors. For example, a lot of technology heavy firms that live you know, right here in our neighborhood in Gurgaon have told their employees that it's going to be work from home right up till December. Um, they have the luxury to do that. So I think we have to be cognizant of that fact and they represent a very small percentage of India's firms. You then have the manufacturing sector and it's interesting you asked that because you know I was chatting with Naushad Forbes and he made the point that for manufacturing firms to put in COVID restrictions is actually far simpler manufacturing companies understand systems mm. and processes. They mm. understand social distancing. They understand working in ships. This comes easily to them. This is much more difficult in the retail sector where you're encouraging people to go to malls. You want them to touch and feel the fabric of cloth. You want them to sit down and have a coffee. It's not going to be that easy for them, you know, in terms of getting their employees back and getting business back. And then there's the huge universe that we tend to club as MSME. You know, it, it's a broad term, but this is really the heartbeat of India. This is the space that's being hit the hardest. This is the space that is really struggling to get back on its feet. Because right. blow number one was demonetization. Then came the economic slowdown. They hadn't recovered from that. And now they have this crisis where, you know, just extending a five lakh uh, bank loan to them 
is not going to help. Um, Meghnath, you know, I just wanted to add a little bit of context, if I may, yeah. to the points that were made about uh, MG Narega, because yeah. I know there's so much, you know, talk about that in the papers. And there's three quick points I want to make. Uh, as as Prerna pointed out, on gender, uh, for women, the MG Narega participation has hit an eighth-year low. Basically, there's so many more men who want to do this work. So women are being elbowed out of these jobs. Mm -hmm. Number two, please consider the fact that many of these people are, you know, this is a step down for them, not a step up. They have come back from urban jobs where they were earning far more and had a consistent income. But now they're working on this hundred working days, uh, you know, a year kind of phenomenon and getting between, you know, a thousand to thirteen hundred uh, rupees, depending mm -hmm. on which state you're and the third most important fact, Meghnath, is that you always sent your prime candidate to town because this is the guy or this is the woman who's going to send money back home. Hmm. Expatriation of cash is a huge source of rural income right. and that's been snapped. So, you know, we may talk about agriculture doing well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, at a household level, people are living better lives because of that. That's true. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting. Uh, I think the data portal also has Manrega data, right? Uh, uh, so uh, if, if people want to keep a track of uh, Manrega, you can go there and look at it. Uh, Manrega, I think, is one scheme that actually gives you real-time data to a level where you know how many people have gone to work under that scheme today. Uh, and they will put it out on a website. Uh, so the, the point being that the, the usual assumption is that if there are high number of people going for this scheme, which means that they're not getting any other employment, which will pay them more. So therefore, it's a bad thing that, you know, more people are availing this scheme. That is the usual uh, uh, assumption there. So you can track that. Um, I'm going to ask uh, this question for uh, both uh, Paujal and Sukirat because this is a very important one. Uh, what are the options? What options are data journalists left with when the government refused to or delay sharing of data? Uh, also, between government and third-party data pertaining to the same subject, which should be treated with more authority. Uh, I'll go to Paujal first because um, this is a very important question because uh, Dr. Ashwini also pointed out that. I think this works on the data that is available, but what if the government is just not giving you data, like unemployment or whatever? What do you do then? I must say that uh, there is a problem that we've been facing from the government, state or central otherwise. The, the data that we want, that has never been given to us hmm. willingly. And uh, we have to apply even to the RTI. For concern, sectors like health, how much money is going on there, how much money is being utilized, education, all the other infrastructure, whatever, including the home department. So the, the data that we are generally interested in is hardly given to us just like that. And we have to fight for it and we have our own means to get that data, but it's very hard to uh, just like, it's not a uh, piece of cake that they are not just going to give it to us. But uh, what's very interesting to hear about Mr. Ashwini, the, database that he has worked on. I hope it is some more on the notice also on Manipur. But some of the um, data uh, states for journalists, the journalists face now is that that particular information that we seek is not given to us hmm. at the moment. Um, uh, Sukirat sir, do you want to add to this? Uh, what happens when uh, the government is not giving data? And is there a way to still get it? 
Well, you see, there are two things. First of all, personally speaking, as I just said right in the beginning, I'm not an economic journalist, but at the same time, to write on anything, I need a certain directional data. It's yes, not that I need yes. specific figures. You see, now, from that angle, unfortunately, the, I mean, one always takes uh, with a little pinch of, pinch of salt the data that any government dishes out because it's a bit, bit of a propaganda element in that. But uh, unfortunately, for the past five or six years, uh, not only I, I can say for other people also, people have completely stopped believing what the government dishes out. Because, and that's where you see, uh, I will take Ashwini's name because he's right there with us, that people like Ashwini and such portals have become very important. In fact, uh, things have come to such a pass that, uh, more, I mean, I have, as an active journalist also, I'm no longer watching TV. So you see, one has to access data through non-government channels in any case, and also access, thanks to the internet, data which is actually coming via other people who are not even in India, mm. you know? So that is one thing. So, but at the same time, I think that uh, this process should go on because uh, sooner or later, with all the bravado also, the government has to realize and they start realizing, because you see the problem with our current government, leave aside politics is, that you see when there is a problem, the first way to solve the problem is that you acknowledge that there is a problem. Yeah. They never start from there. Because they don't start from there, we need more and more people like Ashwini and this portal who can produce that data and then see it. And then, you know, I mean, the bravado will still be there because this is is how they behave but somewhere you see i mean yesterday they had the gst meeting now she has given seven days to chief ministers yes yes states yes. and let's see what happens because you see there are going to be very many problems in this gst thing also right, I mean, uh, basically I, I mean it's not strictly my field but what i feel is that look as it is after the gst there were only three things that were totally left actually under the control of the states which was alcohol petrol mm. And uh, I think stamp duty, stamp duty, because I note, noticed that Maharashtra has decreased it to 2% yesterday. Now you see in this given situation, how much leeway you have there too. You see when there is generally everything is in doldrums, how much more petrol can you sell? Actually, people are not even traveling due to lockdown. And yeah. other things. Yeah. Uh, alcohol, as I don't even have to go there, you know, how much can you, I mean, of course, I mean, it's in a way uh, people who drink they are ready to pay for it but how many people can pay that kind of in mm. i mean push comes shove i think some people who you were used to getting imfl kind of liquor will go start to be using hooch you know if it goes very much up and the same is about stamp duty so right. what i'm saying is that uh, uh, data is important but data coming from the government it's neither either non-existent or it's not believable uh, i i have a i, I have a question that. i have a question which i actually related question which i wanted to ask prerna here um, yeah. Is there is there uh, any data around rural finance uh, to look at look at how financial support work during the unlock to support farmers? So, uh, uh, Prerna, do you have an answer for that? This is a question by Satya. Uh, thank you, Satya. I don't really have ad nauseum an answer for you there, but if I can just respond to what's been discussed about government yeah. data being believable or not. So, uh, Sukhidharji, so you know, companies such as mine wouldn't exist if you know, all of us could simply download government data sets and <laughs> run with it. So uh, we sure. primarily do data collection and 
technically we do it for a lot of multilaterals so it's money that the government's given to multilaterals then we come back and we tell them whether their policies are working or not so uh, but you know i like to adapt or adopt a very glass half full kind of an approach of course you know uh, india is such an ocean which can neither be completely measured nor be ever fixed but what i do appreciate Uh, with respect to what's currently happening, is that there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of effort in terms of trying to measure everything that has gone wrong. I will take a few examples of the kind of work I'm doing. I'm doing a massive study for a big multilateral, which has been commissioned by the government of India to try and understand how learning outcomes have suffered across multiple states, and this is primarily owing to the fact that. we're all triumphing and saying oh digital education wonderful and you know of course is this like the asar survey uh, no i mean i'm not doing that but and i'm not going to get into names but the yeah. the point is you know never take names <laughs> never take names when you talk to news launch you never do that <laughs> we can take names because no. <laughs> public pays public is served we don't give we don't when care when chatham house rules then we take names make not today we don't no but the point is that Uh, you know the larger goal of the study is that for all kids from really poorer backgrounds unke ghar pe if they have one phone do they even get access to their phone what kind of a show will they see on that phone do they have internet on that phone in the northeast internet is so bad uh, mm. in fact we just finished doing something in nagaland and you know we couldn't do any video based surveys because there was no internet and it doesn't work so but what the government is saying that you know let's prepare for the next unforeseen circumstance or perhaps another disaster situation as and when it may arrive so guys can you come back to us with information on how we improve digital infrastructure and how we support these edtech startups hmm. right so prena uh, this is very megnad i just huh. wanted to very quickly for yes. a second jump in on, on this point uh, about data it's like a it's a journalism 101 course right megnad when half the room tells you it's raining and the other half tells you it's not raining what do you do and the answer is you open the bloody window and window look and out see. and yeah. see if it's raining or not so yeah. I, i mean i think anecdotal evidence is very important for journalists and data watchers to be talking about this i mean we don't need inflation data to tell us that food and vegetables exactly. are getting extremely expensive mm. on a weekly basis True. but i think that the point that uh, you know was made by sukirat is spot on it's loss of faith it's hmm. not about you know this is what the private data says and this is what the public data says but on a serial basis when you keep restating your base year for calculating your gdp after a while as an economy watcher i'm going to be like you know what forget it i, I it doesn't make any sense anymore so i think loss of faith in this whole data conversation is probably the most sort of important factor right now it, it's very interesting how you talk about loss of faith so to take your example again if half yeah. of the room says that you know uh, it's raining and half of the it's not raining even if yeah. i open the window and the people who say that it's not raining and they are they're actually the ones winning the election so it's not raining Correct. I mean, it's not raining anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, as a journalist, I know the truth. What so truth? I know that half the room is a monkey. What are you talking about? What truth? Something a monkey of me. <laughs> no, but uh, I come in. Sorry. Uh, I come in for yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, sir, I, I'll take your comments, uh, and then we have to end this as well. Uh, and we have a lot of more questions, but if I may request, also meanwhile, while uh, Ashwini, Doctor Ashwini, gives his last comments, can you leave your contact details or wherever people can talk to you in the chat there, so that you know if they have any questions or if you want to talk to them, you can just uh, 
go to their twitter or email or whatever you want uh, please leave your details on the chat um yes uh, dr ashwini i was building on the the faith in the data ecosystem uh, what we have also seen is a transformation that has uh, somewhat unnoticed mm. although it is visible which is from a pretty archaic distinction between primary and secondary data to what we now have is transactional data mm. so the narega data that you see on the ministry of rural development website is very hard to punch they can take the server down or they will have to show the data mm. because the data cannot be punched it is being fed into a digital architecture and shows up on the server and that is how it is happening with the uida with fertilizer sales because each pos machine is assigned to a dealer mm. to a retailer and every transaction that is made on that pos is automatically displayed on the central server so it's real time so, there is no human intervention there that there is some human intervention but it cannot be fudged because it is a very distributed network right that is the nature of new data hmm. so there are ways in which we can arbitrate and it is possible for the nsso consumption survey results to not be released hmm. because it is a face to face survey and there are all kinds of things that happen between the survey and the final results but we are now in a new world where data on the economy is is being recorded hmm. through these transactions at these paytm machines or whatever other ways in which it is recorded which cannot be fudged because it's a distributed network yes and we need to move away from this survey type of results which were very unreliable even to begin with yeah it's not like when the data was being released in in real time or in good time the surveys were actually reliable yeah let us not fool ourselves yeah so now at least we have data and we know that whatever we see is what we get we can construct a different uh, way of looking at data and the journalism based on that and and uh, thank you so much uh, everyone for doing this i have one last uh, tip for the audience if you want to look at data of course you can go to india uh, dataportal.com I have one more thing, which is like this hidden gem, which people don't know about much. Uh, go to the Lok Sabha website, go to the questions, and then search, and then search for anything you want. The amount of data that you will get on a regular basis, which the government themselves have given to the parliament, is crazy, right? Uh, they have actually given data on whether there were UFO sightings, whether the government is subsidizing goat milk. and things like that as well so you can imagine what kind of stuff they like realistically good stuff they have answered there as well uh, do let take a look at that at rajya sabha has another portal so that is another thing so uh, that is one source you can also use to get your data uh, now the parliament isn't in session but uh, you can get it till like march february tak abhi Uh, but other than that, uh, thank you so much, uh, everyone. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ashwini, for for coming up with this wonderful uh, data portal, and thank you, uh, Pawajil. Thank you, Vitali. Thank you, Prerna, and thank you, Sukiranji, uh, for having this wonderful discussion with us. Thank you, Magnat. Thank you, Magnat. Thank you for having. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you, audiences, for watching this. Uh, and uh, there were quite a few people. So great done guys great great job All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher iTunes and any other podcast platform Please subscribe to News Laundry help us keep news independent 
catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.